G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. If you had to describe to somebody the gospel Jesus came to bring, could you do it and how would you describe it? Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff speaks about the Kingdom of God that came with Jesus. Life in God's presence can begin right now and continue in heaven. God's Kingdom is available here on earth because of the person of Jesus. The Kingdom of God, that's ultimately what the Gospel is about. And Jesus said when He talked about the Kingdom, this, it is available right now, not something you got to wait on. It's available right now, right here. And if you want to live in it, you can walk right in, right now. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Acts chapter 28, verse 31. If you'd kind of find that in your Bible, just hold it, Acts 28, 31. Now, as you're finding that, read a story about a guy who's in his ornithology class. Now, if you know what ornithology is, study of birds. And so he's taking his final uh, last April, said he got this piece of paper, it's like a three-hour final, and it was just so ridiculous. And the more he sat there and thought about it, And the more he looked at his fellow students who also had a look of frustration, he was just getting ticked because the whole thing was just picture after picture. And the job, your job as the student was to identify the name of these birds, specific type of bird, just by looking at the legs and feet of the bird. And you know, like pages and pages of this. Finally, he just got so frustrated. He stood up, walked up to the professor's desk, threw his paper down on the desk and said, this is the most ridiculous test. There's no way anybody could ever pass this. There are too many similarities. I mean, this is preposterous. It's ridiculous. Look at the students. Nobody knows this. Are you just wanting to flunk everybody? And the professor said, young man, I noticed you threw your paper back in, but you didn't put your name on it. What's your name? He said, I'm not telling you my name. I just want you to know this class is pathetic. You're pathetic and I hate this test and nobody's going to pass it. It's ridiculous. And he said, well, young man, because of your attitude, you're going to flunk the test. You're going to flunk my class. Now, what's your name? Finally, he said, I don't know. And he pulled up his pants, leg, took off his socks and shoes and said, you tell me. I thought, that's a good answer. That is good. That's good. I want to give you a little test right now. Okay, here's the test. If you had to describe to somebody the gospel Jesus came to bring, could you do it? And how would you describe it? If I just ask you right now to turn to your neighbor, which I'm not going to do. Don't you hate it when people ask you to do that in church? Turn to your neighbor and say something. Man, I don't even know my neighbor. I'm not going to do that. You're safe. But if I were to ask you to do that, and I said, I want you to fill in the blank. The gospel is, how is it you would describe it? What would you say? Here's my concern. I'm saying and suggesting there are well-meaning Bible-founded churches today that they do not give the same answer to that question that Jesus gave. Even though they're well-meaning, well-intentioned, it's not the same answer. 
Because the Bible is clear of what the gospel really is. Mark writes in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. That's the same word as gospel of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, Luke, a historian of first rate, said that after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming what? The good news of what? Say it. The kingdom of God. Luke 9, 1, when Jesus had called the 12, the disciples, that is, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach what? Say it. The kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 1, this great historical book about the early church, verse 3 of the very first chapter, after his suffering, speaking of Jesus, he showed himself to these men and gave many other convincing proofs that he was alive he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the what? Say it. Kingdom of God. Acts is a book about the story of the early church. The last verse. Now, young people, high schoolers, let's go. Wake up. Here we go. You got to hear this. The very last verse of this historical book. Here's what Paul says. He says, I've, I've been doing one thing, proclaiming one thing boldly. Here's that passage I told you to turn to. And without hindrance, he preached what? High schoolers, say it with me, the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ, which tells me this, the gospel is about the kingdom of God. And Jesus message is clear that the kingdom of God has now become available for ordinary human beings to live in. It's not something you're waiting down the future that might happen. Listen now, young people, I'm watching you got my eyes on you. Listen, you need to get this right now. The kingdom of God. That's ultimately what the gospel is about. And Jesus said, when he talked about the kingdom, this, he said, it is available right now. Not something you got to wait on. It's available right now, right here. And if you want to live in it, you can walk right in right now. Now, why do I mention all that? And if you're on my staff here, I, want, I know that different people come to different services on the weekend. There are seven of them. If you're on staff, I want you to listen very closely. You might get a test on this tomorrow morning in staff meeting. I want you to listen. This is important. Why do I start out like this? Because there is another gospel permeating the church. Another gospel that is going around, that is gaining popularity. And let me tell you how I would define it. It goes like this. The gospel, and here's the blank, is about the minimal entry requirements for getting you into heaven when you die. The gospel is about the minimal entry requirements for getting you into heaven when you die. And so to illustrate this, I'm going to bring in another deeply sophisticated theological film, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> now here's how, that's right. Do you remember, do you remember the scene near the end of the movie when King Arthur and his knights are trying to go into the castle to get the grail and they got to cross this big ravine and there's a bridge and there's a bridge keeper and the bridge keeper says, well, if you're going to cross over and you're going to try to complete your quest. What does he say? You're going to have to answer three questions. It's all about three questions. So the first knight comes up and he says, question one, what is your favorite color? And the knight thinks that's it. And he says, red, congratulations going across. The next knight comes up expecting the same question. And he says, the bridge keeper, what is the capital of Assyria? And the guy's shocked. And he says, I don't know. Well, he falls into the ravine. He can't go across. Third guy comes up. Third guy's expecting a difficult question. Instead, he gets the same question. What is your favorite color? And the guy's a little nervous, so he says, red, no blue. Ah, he falls into the ravine. And then remember what happens? King Arthur comes now. Now, you remember the movie? There's a running gag throughout the movie. You know what it is? It's that question. Thank you. Thank you. We have smart people in the room. That's right. What is the airspeed velocity of a coconut-laden swallow? 
And when Arthur hears that, he looks at the bridge keeper and he says, well, it depends. Are you talking about an African or European swallow? And the bridge keeper says, I don't know. Nah, he goes down in the ravine. And Arthur gets to go across to the castle. Listen, tell me something. There's so many people that believe that over there's heaven and I'm over here and there's a great ravine and a great bridge and there's a secret code, a secret password. If I have the right answer to the right question, I get to go across. Tell me, somebody, anybody, where you find in the New Testament, anywhere where Jesus says, here are the minimal requirements for getting you into heaven after you die. Here are the minimal entrance requirements for getting you into heaven when you die. And the answer to that is never. He never says that. So what untold millions believe about the gospel, Jesus never said. Here's what he did say. He came to say something about something called the kingdom of God. And he said that life, your life, not something in the future, that life, your life, you can live it. That life in God's kingdom, in God's presence, in God's power, in God's favor has now in his person, in his body, come to the earth and is available to you right now, not something you're waiting on in the future. You can walk in, you can enter right here, right now. Let me say it again, just in case you missed it. He says that life in God's kingdom, in God's presence, in God's power in you, accessible, in God's favor upon you, God's activity in every moment of your life has now in his person, in his body, come to earth, and is now available to you, and anyone can enter, you can walk in right here, right now. Now, of course, the gospel includes this. I know you've not seen this before. It does include this, where there is you, there is God, and your sin separates you. There's the gap between you and God, but through the cross of Jesus Christ, you can walk over. You've been forgiven of your sins. Intimacy, relationship now can happen with God. I'm not saying that that's not the gospel. That is the gospel. It's the entryway. It is important. What I'm saying is there's something beyond that. Because Jesus said he was a kingdom bringer. He, say it with me. Jesus came as a kingdom bringer. Say it now. Jesus came as a kingdom bringer to convince us there's a better way of life than the life you're living right now. There's a better way to every man in the room. You're just like me. We're in the same boat together. You may not fight depression to the degree that I do, but you fight some depression, right? Especially those of you getting around middle age. Why are you here? What's your life about? Why is my marriage not the way I thought it should? Why is this not turning right? Jesus came to tell you there's a better way of living than the way you're living now. He's saying in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what does he say? All these things, everything you're looking for, everything, you're going to find it in the kingdom significance, acceptance, peace, contentment, joy, security, great relationships. Everything we're looking for is in the kingdom of God. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the message is growing with the flow. We're hearing about Jesus being our way into the kingdom of God right now, not only when we physically die. Everything we're looking for is in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus came to bring. But here's the problem. I've heard this all my life and no pastor ever explained to me what that meant. What is the kingdom of God? It sounds so, yeah. what is that? So I want to just do that for him. What is the kingdom? I mean, if you think about what a kingdom is, the first thing I want to tell you, we all have one. And you are wired to have one. God made you to have one. 
Genesis chapter one through three. He created you and wanted you to have dominion and rule over the earth. Everybody has a little kingdom. That's right. In Revelation, we're told that we will rule and have dominion with him. So don't be surprised, guys, when you have this little kingdom. You were wired to have a kingdom. Everybody is. It is the range of your effective will where what you want to be done gets done. And if it wasn't for sin entering all the kingdoms and those kingdoms of the earth emerging, it'd be a great place to live. But in a sense, everybody has a kingdom. That's why we don't like to be told what to do. Have you ever heard children say, you're not the boss of me? You ever heard that? Come on, brothers and sisters. My daughter spent most of her early life saying that to her older brother. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. In those times when I get brave, I tell that to my wife. <laughs> Come on, guys. How many in the room? Sometimes you just had enough. You feel like saying to your wife, you're not the boss of me. Hey, did you see that? Look around. Look around. You know why? That proves right there. This is one of the smartest churches on the planet. Hardly any man raised their hand. <laughs> you're going to raise your hand in here with your wife sitting beside you. you that, you're smarter than that. I'm just testing you. And there are times I'll say to my wife, you're not the boss of me. And my wife will say, of course not, honey. Now make us some coffee and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and what do I do? I get up and make coffee. You know why? Because she's the boss of me. That's why. All right. What is a two-year-old's favorite word? No. Why? Because they're learning they have a kingdom. Little kids in the back seat going on a road trip. What happens? They draw the line in the middle. This is my kingdom and this is your kingdom. And for a while, it's fine, right? And then it's not that they really care, but they want to see if they can bite off a little bit more of somebody else's kingdom. So my daughter would just start sneaking her hand on the other side, just for nothing more than irritation. Just to show you that if I want to come into your kingdom, I can and you can't do anything about it because this is my kingdom. And they start fighting. And then what does dad do? He gets out of control and he says, kids, I'm coming back there. And the kids never say it, but they're thinking, yeah, dad, like you're going to come back here when the car's going 70 miles an hour. So what does dad do? He sends Mr. Hand to the back seat. That's right. And he's worming around like a snake trying to get them. Of course, they retreat to the unreachable zone, the safety zone. But dad's learned one tap on the brakes brings them all into play <laughs> because it's my kingdom. It's my kingdom because whose kingdom does dad believe the car belongs to his kingdom. What he say, what he says goes, it's his realm of where he wants to rule and everything he says comes to fruition. Now here's the thing. Jesus said, my kingdom has come, come. That's good. But he also said, there's another kingdom and that kingdom is bad. Now stay with me here. He says there is the kingdom of God. It's up here. He says it's the realm of God's activity. It's real. It's the range of God's effective will. It's the sphere where everything that happens in it meets with God's approval and God's delight. Everything is precisely as God wants it to be. And the Bible describes the kingdom of God, listen, this kingdom up here, as a place of service and humility. Matthew 18, humble yourself like a little child. I read a story this past week about Mother Teresa. She was visited before she died by the President of the United States, and it was a cold call. Presidents didn't say he was showing up. He just shows up in Calcutta, got some business, I guess, going to pass by and just visit Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was doing at that point what she spent most of her life doing, just holding a dying man or woman or child in her arms that didn't have any family, no one to be there, street person, and just holding them to comfort them and to love them as they died in her arms. 
She sent word back to the president, well, I'm glad that you've come, but you're going to have to wait. I've got someone here in my arms that needs me. You see, kingdom of God is like that. Where no matter if you're president or in poverty, you're all treated equally. That's the kingdom of God. That's what we all, it's a society. Think about it. Think about a world where you get your photo on the front of a magazine, not because you're rich, beautiful, or powerful, but because you're the type of person that humbles yourself and you find new ways to bring delight and growth to the people around you. Service and humility. It also says in the Bible that it's a place of peace and joy. Romans 14, one says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of legalistic rules, eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Now imagine, now young people got my eyes on, I want you to follow me here. I'm not going to let you go to sleep today. Not that you do, but I need you. This is so important. And guys, stay with me. Everything you're looking for, teenagers, everything you're going to grow up looking for, I'm telling you right now, you're never going to find it. It's the elusive wind. You don't know from where it comes. You don't know where it's going, but you're going to keep pursuing it because your parents did it. Your grandparents did it and it keeps going on, but you can stop the cycle. You can teach your kids where it's found from day one. The kingdom of God has everything you're looking for. Imagine a world where nobody ever cuts anybody else down. All the things that hurt you doesn't happen anymore. Where your mom and dad love you unconditionally. Where no one ever wishes failure on anybody else. Where nobody ever harbors bitterness. Where the only kind of gossip that goes around in this world is about other people's secret virtues and hidden good deeds. Where television talk show hosts feature mothers and daughters who actually adore each other. Where teenagers treat their bodies with purity and respect. And where men secretly enjoy dressing up as men. It's okay, that, that was a joke and it's, it's gone well until this crowd. Because most of you are still wondering about if your wife's going to say anything to you because you raised your hand. That's the problem. <laughs> and watching over this greatest realm, this greatest kingdom, is the greatest servant of all, the most joyful being of all, the magnificent God and Father of Jesus, who is endlessly celebrated because of his infinite self-giving love. That's this kingdom of God. That's up here. And anybody in the room that wants to walk into it can go there right now. Not something you have to wait on. Thank you for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We'll continue growing with the flow next time with Pastor Jeff as we explore the idea of God's kingdom as a place of humble service and humility accessible here on earth. Now remember, we're talking about having everything that you've always wanted. Everything you're looking for, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about not waiting till heaven. That what's up here comes down here now. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.